Now, there we go. There I am. Hey, good to see everybody. Turn to somebody close by and say, hey, I'm so glad you get to see me this morning. We are so glad you're here. If you're a guest at chapel, welcome to chapel. If it's your first time, we are just all about awakening and empowering you to live and love like Jesus. That's what we want to do. We want to see you live and love like Jesus in any way that we can awaken and empower you to do that. That's our goal. That's what we want to do. My name's Anthony, and man, I get the, the privilege and joy of serving and being a part of this team here at chapel. Just a fantastic team, Pastor Bobby and the staff and uh, the elders here just do a phenomenal job of leading us day in and day out. Uh, I just want to brag on our pastor real quick. He um, he is just one of the hardest working guys I know. He's here early, he stays late, and he loves you guys. And uh, he and Miss Toya just pour their heart and soul into everything they can do to help you guys out and help chapel out. So it's just an honor to be a part of everything that God's doing right now. And, and I'm so excited for next week. Anybody excited for next week and what God's going to do? do, bringing two churches together. Come on, can we give God praise for that? It's going to be amazing. I'm really excited, really excited to see what God is going to do next week and how it's going to be, I believe, the catalyst, a mile marker for chapel. Uh, I really think that, uh, you know, in the moment, we don't realize how big some moments are. Sometimes it takes some time to to be able to look back and see, oh man, that, that was insane. That was crazy how God moved, what he did in that moment, what he did in that season. But I want you to take this week and I just want you to pray. I want you to ask God to show you how big this moment is, how incredible this moment is in this community. Two churches coming together as one and seeing God move and bring his kingdom down here on this earth, moving forward and advancing his kingdom. It is going to be an amazing, amazing week. But I've got a job for you. Say, I got a job for you. I got a job for you. Everybody next week, is a greeter, all right? You may have never been on the greeter team, all right? But I want to encourage you next week, we're going to have a brand new family here, and we want them to feel at home. We want to go out of our way to serve them and welcome them. And if you would just do us a huge favor next week, just greet people, love people, welcome people. You may not be on the greeter team. You may not be welcoming people, come in the doors, but just go out of your way to welcome people, greet people, make them feel at home. If they, they need to know where the bathrooms are, just show them. Say, hey, come with me. I'll show you right where they are. If they need to know where Chapel Kids check-in is, just come and show them. Say, this is where Chapel Kids check-in is. If they know where Pastor Bobby's office is, just take them back there, all right? Let them sit down, hang out for a little bit. No, I'm joking. Don't do that. Um, but just go out of your way next week to, um, to welcome and, and just encourage people. Uh, I'm so excited to share uh, today the third quality of, uh, of moving from a believer to a disciple. Uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Dylan shared about the first quality, being passionately committed to Jesus Christ. You guys remember him sharing that? Did a fantastic job. He talked about the fire that he started on his dad's land and almost burned his entire dad's land and maybe a couple teenagers in the progress too. Uh, I'm not sure if he mentioned that or not, but uh, he just, he had teenagers over, just built this huge fire. Talk about how the fire that we have for Christ in our hearts never needs to grow dim. It always needs to be constant and growing and moving uh, towards our, our end goal of knowing Jesus more and loving him, loving him more. And then last week, Dr. Stanley. Man, how many of you guys love Dr. Stanley? Oh my goodness. It's just, yeah, go ahead. You can, you can clap for that. He just, 
is such a, um, just such a father figure to us here at chapel, just such an amazing elder, and just spoke about the love of Christ and how we need to have the love of Christ planted deep into our heart. And he just did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. If you've not seen that, watch that. Go back on YouTube or Facebook page and check that out. And then this week, week three is this. Week three is the heart of a servant. So we want to move from a believer to having the heart of a servant. That's one of the markers of these 10 qualities. And just so you know, we've been taking our cues from a book called 10 Qualities. And we have that book for sale out in the lobby. It's $5. You can pick up one of those today on your way out. But this third quality is really important. It's very special to, move, to me to move from a believer to a disciple. To move from a believer to a disciple. I love what Pastor Bobby says, that salvation is not the end, it's the beginning. Amen, chapel? I'll try it again. Salvation's not the end, it's the beginning. Amen? So we want to make sure that we don't stop at giving our heart to Jesus. We want to make sure that we are constantly moving forward in our relationship. We want to make sure we're constantly taking the next steps in our relationship and becoming more like Jesus, more of a disciple than we were yesterday, more of a disciple today than we were two weeks ago, more of a disciple today than we were a month ago. We want to make sure we're always moving forward to become more like Jesus from a believer to a disciple. And this third quality, this third marker is the heart of a servant. I love it. It's special to me because I really believe that everybody can possess this quality and change the world through this one quality. There's nine others that are, that are great and really important too, but I'm so excited to share about how we can have the heart of a servant and how that can have an impact on the world around us. We're going to be reading a few scriptures today. There were so many that I just looked at over the course of the last few weeks, but we're going to be in Romans 12 first, then we're going to be in Galatians, then Psalm, then Mark. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, you're welcome to. I believe the scriptures will be up on the screen today as well. Romans 12, 9 through 11. I'm using the Passion Translation today. It says this. It says, it says, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as a member of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Say, serve the Lord. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward Him bowling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Galatians 5.13 is another powerful scripture that says this. It says, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit, but don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants, say servants, that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all that we do. And then Psalms chapter 100 verses 1 and 2. I shared this with our champions last week that served. It says, lift up a great shout of joy to the Lord. Go ahead and do it. Everyone, everywhere, as you serve him, say serve him, 
as you serve him, be glad and worship him. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And then the last one, this is kind of, I believe, a, a mic drop moment for, for Jesus. These are his words in Mark chapter 10. We're going to be reading verses 42 through 45. This is stemming from a conversation that James and John had about being able to sit at the right hand and sit beside Jesus in heaven. And Jesus, I could almost see him as he's as he's sharing this with his disciples and talking to James and John. He's like, guys, you just don't get it. You don't get it. You don't understand what you're asking for. And then we pick up in verse 42. It says, Jesus gathered them all together and said to them, those recognized as rulers of the people and those who are in top leadership positions rule oppressively over their subjects. But this is not the example you are to follow. But this is not the example you are to follow. You are to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest one, then live as one called to serve others. The path to promotion and prominence comes by having the heart of a bond slave who serves everyone. For even the Son of Man, even Jesus, did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life as the ransom price in exchange for the salvation of many. I was joking with Pastor Marissa earlier this week. I said, I think I'm going to read that verse, drop my Bible, and walk off the stage. Because that is what the heart of a servant is all about. Jesus tells us here in Mark chapter 10, he says, hey, for even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone. He says, you are to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest one, then live as one called to serve others. I love this. He says, the path to promotion and prominence comes by having the heart of a bond slave who serves everyone. I like to put the sermon in a sentence, just one sentence that I think could sum up everything that, that we're going to talk about today. It's actually a quote from the author of this 10 Qualities book that we have out in the lobby, Dennis Rouse. He says, we will ser serve others with humility, grace, and wisdom only to the extent that we are amazed that Jesus has served us. Is that not good, Chapel? We will serve others with humility, grace, and wisdom only to the extent that we are amazed that Jesus has served us. Disciples are thrilled and amazed that Jesus has served them to the point of death on a cross. True disciples of Jesus, listen to me this morning, true disciples of Jesus are marked by selfless serving. I want to pray for us this morning. God, we love you. Dad, we thank you for the opportunity just to, to be in your house, to worship you, to honor you today. God, just to be overwhelmed with your goodness and your love, your grace. God, you're so good. And we just pray today that your word would land in our heart. God, that we would pre prepare a runway, God, for your word to, to make a landing in our heart today. And that we would be people, we would be disciples God, that are marked by serving others. In Jesus' name, amen. So I need to make a few statements up front. You're going to hear us talk a lot about serving this morning. You're going to hear me talk a lot about serving this morning. But, but you need to know this up front, that you do not buy your salvation through your serving of others. 
You tracking with me this morning? Salvation of God is a free gift that you don't earn by what you do. Amen, church? Salvation's a free gift. So this morning, please, as, as we're going to talk a lot about serving, please don't, please don't get this backwards. Please don't think that you earn salvation by what you do and how you serve. That is not how the kingdom of God works. You, you, you get the free gift. You are given the free gift of salvation. What Jesus did on the cross for me and you and everybody else on this earth, what he did over 2,000 years ago is free for us to take. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I love you. I need you. And I want you in my life. Just as Pastor Jason, he, he just walked us through it so well earlier in worship. God, I need you. I want you. I want to live for you. I want to make you the Lord of my life. You don't have to do anything. I'll say it with bad grammar. You don't have to do nothing to earn salvation. All you got to do is say, God, I want it. And because of what Jesus did for me and you, it's right there. But I will say this, a heart that serves, serves out of a heart that is so grateful for what God did for us on the cross that we want everybody to know about it. And, and one of the ways we can let everybody know about it is through the things we do and how we serve. We need to make sure that we surrender our, our life to God, we accept his free gift of salvation, and then live a life of service. Actions and service don't save us, but they are the fruit of a life that is surrendered to God and ruled by God. Salvation, like I said earlier, Pastor Bobby says this all the time, salvation is the beginning, not the end. We don't serve out of obligation. That's the wrong heart. We don't serve because we feel like we have to out of dread. We don't serve because we feel like if we don't do it, then God's not going to love us. No, 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 that's the wrong heart. We serve others out of a heart filled with joy because of what Jesus Christ has already done for us. Amen? You got to get that this morning. That's so important. If you don't get that, you're going to misconstrue everything. You're going to see things through the wrong lens. You got to understand that Jesus did it all for us and we serve out of the gratitude of what he did for us. Serving is not a manipulation tool for us to get what we want from Jesus. We serve not for our will to be accomplished, but for his will to be accomplished. Amen? We don't serve for our will to be accomplished. We serve for his will to be accomplished. So let's, let's dive in here just a little bit. The heart of a servant is the difference between a believer and a disciple. It is rare to find people today that serve with a genuine heart. Can anybody just say, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that statement. Most people serve with an agenda. Most people serve because they want something. Most people serve because they, they have a, a preconceived notion of what they want to happen. So if I do this, then I'll get what I want. But it's rare to find people who serve with no agenda. They serve just because they want to do it, because they truly love God, because they truly want to be an example to Christ, to those around them. See, inside of all of us is this seed of selfishness. We're born with it. This seed of selfishness. We, we want what we want, and we want it now a lot of times, right? That's all right. It's, I'm, I've been there too, okay? We want what we want, and we want it now. We want to be able to do all the things we want and not pay the price, not pay the consequences. We are ultimately really, really selfish people. We're born this way. That seed is inside of us, and, and a lot of times we'll water that seed and it'll grow, and, and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and, and clip it away and pull it up from the root and place a new seed of his faith and love inside of us. But so many of us, we, we struggle with this. It's a, a daily struggle, a weekly struggle, a monthly struggle. we got to get rid of that selfishness inside of us, and one of the ways we can do that is serving others. 
You know, I have two boys in, in my house, Eli and Knox, and, and they're great boys, but, but I see this seed of selfishness in their hearts and in their lives sometimes because they don't want to help around the house. They don't want to help around the house. They don't want to do things. You know what they want to do? They want to eat all our food, and they want to play their game stations. They want to have their friends over so their friends can eat all of our food. You see a trend here where I'm going? And they want to do everything they want to do. So we will um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have chores for them to do around the house, help with the dishes, take out the trash. Nothing crazy, you know. It's not like we're asking them to, to spend 50 hours a week doing stuff around the house. Just little things we want them to do. And they'll be stuck in the room playing their game stations. But I've discovered this amazing app that you can get if you have Comcast cable. And you can get this app on your phone. I just discovered this a few weeks ago. It is awesome. And you can get on this app and you can stop the flow of internet throughout your entire home. It's like the Holy Spirit shows up as soon as I hit the button. It is awesome. So we'll tell them two or three times, hey, Got to take the trash out. No, take the trash. Eli, you got to clean up your room. You know, they're, they're in there playing, you know, Fortnite or whatever, talking to their buddies. And I'll look at Lisa, and she'll smile at me, and I'll smile, and I'll turn it off. And about 30 seconds later, it's, did you turn the internet on? Yes, I did, and it's off until you do what we ask you to do. And it's just evident that, man, we want to do what we want to do. That seed of selfishness is, is planted deep inside of our hearts. And it does take a work of the Holy Spirit to really uproot that. And when I think about serving too, I think, I think this, this past few weeks, I thought about tennis. Does anybody in the room play tennis? Anybody in the room play tennis? Anybody? You don't have to be a pro. Anybody play tennis? So, so Pastor Jason plays tennis. Uh, I'm not that good at tennis, but but Pastor Jason I hear is is really good. So he he let me he let me borrow his uh, tennis ra- uh, tennis racket and a few tennis balls this morning. And I thought about the game of tennis and how when you play tennis, you got to be able to learn how to do something well to be able to play the game of tennis. Does anybody know where I'm going here? What's, what's the first thing you got to learn besides hitting the ball? Like, I can do that. That's, that's about as far as my tennis capabilities go. What do you got to learn to be able to play tennis well? You got to learn how to serve. So if you don't know how to serve in tennis, then you're going to struggle. You're not probably going to get too far. And I thought about, let's see. You think I should do it, Pastor Jason? He said yes. Okay, so I thought about, let's see if I can. So you got to learn how to, to serve. Oh, I hit the roof, I think. Man, that was a good one. All right, so you got to learn. You got to learn how to, not the roof, maybe the ceiling. You got to learn how to serve. You guys ready up there? Ben Tate, you ready? Here it comes. You got to learn how to serve. And if you don't know how to serve, then you're going to struggle. So, so you got to serve, and you got to serve well. you got to work on it. you got to practice it. You may not do it perfect the first time. You may struggle a little bit, but once you learn how to serve, you're moving in the right direction. And I think, all right, one more. Who wants it? Everybody's like, please, not me. <laughs> if you don't learn how to serve, then did I hit somebody? I'm sorry. You can email me at bobby at wearechapel.com and I'll make sure you're compensated. If you don't learn how to serve in tennis, you're really going to struggle. And I think the parallel with our Christian faith is the same. If we don't learn how to serve 
and we don't learn how to represent Christ well in our service, then we might as well be sitting on the sideline. Because I think one of the essential roles in learning how to grow in our faith from a believer to a disciple is learning how to serve others well and put our selfishness to the side, allow the Holy Spirit to uproot that seed in our heart to serve him and others well. So let's look real quick. We must identify our selfish tendencies. We have to identify what is holding us back from serving others well and serving God well. Identify the excuses that we make that keep us from serving the way that God has called us to serve. You know, in in, in tennis, you start with serving and then you go forward. I think the parallel in our Christian faith is really similar. In in our Christian faith, we don't end with serving, we lead with serving. We don't finish with serving, we lead with serving. And when we lead with serving others well, and people can see the heart of Christ in us, in our families, in our church, there's something that is appetizing to the world about that. There's something that draws people to him and to Christ when we do that well. So disciples don't end with serving, they lead with serving. And talk about a few principles of servanthood, and then we'll talk about why we serve. We know we need to serve, but we'll talk about why we serve. First, a few foundational principles of servanthood. The first is this, true greatness begins with a humble heart. True greatness begins with a humble heart. So the foundation, foundation of serving, true greatness begins with a humble heart. One of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible is John 3.30. And it's John the Baptist talking to his disciples about what you can do to make sure you make room for Jesus. What had happened was, was John's disciples were, were a little jealous because Jesus was gaining more of a following than them. And he came to, they came to John the Baptist and said, hey, this is going on. And John said this in John 3.30 so good. He said, listen, guys, listen, he must become greater and greater and I must become less. And I think that's a good anthem for us to have. He must become greater and greater and I must become less serving and, 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 and true greatness begins with a, a humble heart. It's the John 3.30 principle. God, you got to become greater and I, I got to become less. You got to grow you got to increase, and I have to decrease. Amen, chapel? A humble heart is formed by serving others. So another foundation, not only true greatness begins with a humble heart, but also a humble heart is formed by serving others. The more we genuinely care about others and serve others, the more our heart is humbled, and the more our heart begins to take the shape of the heart of Christ. So I'll say it again, a humble heart is formed by serving others. True greatness begins with a humble heart, and then a humble heart is formed by serving others. So as we serve others, God molds our heart to look more like his. Every act of service, every act of, 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 of our putting ourselves to the side and elevating Jesus in our lives forms our heart to look more like the heart of Jesus. So a humble heart is formed by serving others. And then last, as we give ourselves away, everybody say away, as we give ourselves away, we'll be fulfilled and secure. Now that's opposite of what a lot of times we think is right, isn't it? What do we think? We think, as I keep everything to myself, (laughs) I'll be fulfilled and secure. Like Lisa 
Lisa's good. She knows me so well. We've been married uh, now 17 years. A few weeks ago was 17 years. And she knows this about me, that my security, I'm just being transparent here, my security many times is tied to my bank account. My security many times is, is tied to the, the, the security of the job I have, the security of the people around me, how I can trust those people, how I can, how I can lean into those people. Can I, can I really work well with these people? My security is, is many times is tied to the things that I can keep close to me. But if you really study God's word and you really look at what he has to say about how we are to live our lives and as a foundation principle of servanthood, it's not about that at all. It's about giving ourselves away. And Jesus says, the more you give yourself away, the more secure you'll be. And the more you give yourself to others, the more fulfilled you'll be. Anybody ever given somebody something and you didn't want anything in return, you had no agenda, and you give it to them and you walk away and you really did gain something, not lose something. You really did gain something and not lose something. As we give ourselves away, we'll be fulfilled and secure. If we are serious about our serving, we will daily give ourselves away. If we're serious about our serving, we will daily give ourselves away. The more we give away, the more God fills us. So real quick, why do we serve? Foundation principles of servanthood. You can go back and look at these and maybe study these a little more this week. Number one was true greatness begins with a humble heart. Next one was a humble heart is formed by serving others. And then as we give ourselves away, we'll be fulfilled and secure. It's not about keeping things to ourselves. It's about saying, God, you can have it. I give it away. I give it away to those around me. I serve those around me. And now why do we serve? The first reason, there's four of these. First reason we serve is we serve because Jesus modeled a life of serving others. Amen? You look at the story and the life of Jesus. He modeled a life of serving others. We read there in, in Mark chapter 10, it says that um, he didn't come so that others would serve him. He came so that we he came so that he could serve others, so that he could serve them well. Jesus modeled a life of serving, serving others. A common thread in the life of Jesus was servanthood. He, not just to the poor and needy, not just to those that we think, man, that, that's really tough. They need to be healed. Jesus went to them. He did that, but he served his disciples, those that he was closest to as well. I, I think one of the one of the best examples that Jesus gave us gave us of serving others well and of the example of the way he served others in his life and how we can follow that is how he served his disciples. Remember at the Lord's Supper, what did he do? He served them by doing what? Washing their yuck. Washing their feet. Ugh. And you think feet are dirty now. <laughs> you should have seen them in Jesus's day. They didn't have nice Nikes that you could wear around all day. They didn't have nice shoes that you could wear. They were comfy, comfy, feel like you're walking on air. They had leather sandals, if they were lucky. <laughs> Most of the time, they, they just walked around bare feet. But Jesus did something amazing. He took the place of a servant. He knelt down at their feet, and he showed them, listen to me, he showed them what the kingdom of God was really all about serving others. 
not living to be served. Oh, it feels good to be served, doesn't it? It's great. It's not the kingdom way. He modeled a life of serving others, his disciples. He washed their feet. And that would have really meant something to them because they understood that that was only a role of a servant in a home. But Jesus took on the role of a servant and washed his disciples' feet. He helped the poor. He helped the needy. He served the poor. He served the needy. He went out of his way to serve those in the community, but not just those in the community, but those that were close to him as well. He modeled this with his life. You know, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. Jesus says in Mark 9, 35, this is the upside-down kingdom. He said, Jesus sat down, called the 12 disciples to come around him, and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, say first. If anyone wants to be first, he must be content to be last. Say last. And become a servant to all. So the upside-down kingdom is this, and he talked about it later in Mark chapter 10. If you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the least. In the kingdom of God, it's not about working your way up the org chart. (laughs) Track with me here. It's about doing everything you can to work your way down the org chart. And the further down you go, the further up you go in the kingdom. The further down you go in this world, the further up you go in the kingdom. I think of people like Mother Teresa. I took a book from our Uncle Russ's study just a few days ago about Mother Teresa. What did she do? She lived to serve. And because she lived to serve, God elevated her in the kingdom. It's the upside-down kingdom. Mark 9, 35, we just read it. To be great in God's kingdom, it's a race to the bottom, the bottom of the org chart, to become the least of these, to become the greatest servant. God cares more about us obeying him through serving others than he cares about us being comfortable. He cares more about us obeying him and laying ourselves down for others than he cares about us getting everything we want in this life. He cares more about us working our way down in the org chart so that he can lift us up in the heavenly org chart. We serve because Jesus modeled a life of serving others. And in the kingdom, it's in God's kingdom, it's upside down from everything we think of here on this earth. Amen? A few more. We serve others like we would serve Jesus. Why do we serve? We serve because we want to serve others like we would serve Jesus. Matthew 25, 31 through, through 46. Dr. Stanley used this, this parable last week when he talked about loving others. It's the parable of the sheep and the goats. I won't read all of it, but I'll just hit a few highlights. He talked about in verse 40, he, he's talking to the, the sheep and he says, he says, hey, you, you've done all these things for these other people and, and it is amazing, it's great. And they didn't understand it. They said, when, when have we done those things? When have, we, when have we helped the poor? When have we visited those in, in prison? When have, when have we helped the hungry? When, when, have we, when have we clothed the naked God? When have we done all these things? And Jesus says in verse 40 in this parable, it says, as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. So serving others, we, we serve others not as if they are John, Sally, Sue. We serve, we serve others as if they are Jesus Christ himself. We give our best to every individual. 
And then in verse 45, 41 through 45, the tables turn and he looks to the goats and, and, and he says, hey, you, you didn't do this. You didn't feed the hungry. You didn't visit them and poor. I, I, I was naked and cold and, and you didn't come and, and clothe me. I was, I was all these things and you never came to help me. And they, they didn't understand. They, they're confused. They said, when, when, did, when did we not do that? We don't know. You should have let us know. We, we would have came and visited you. We would have taken care of you. And Jesus said, no, you don't, you don't get it. It's not just me, he says, and as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So if we want to know why we need to serve and the importance of serving, we need to serve others as if we were serving Jesus himself, because it's clear in this parable in Matthew 25, the story of the sheep and the goats. Jesus says, when you do it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. We serve others as if we are serving Jesus. But he also says, you've, when you've not done it to the least of these, you've not done it unto me. We serve others as if we are serving Jesus himself. We serve people in our family like we are serving Jesus himself. <laughs> Tell me, why is it that sometimes the people we're closest to are the hardest to serve. Does anybody else struggle with that sometimes? Like sometimes the people that love us the most are sometimes the hardest to serve. But it's the people we're closest to that could really tell us exactly where we are in this serving thing. Husbands, how well do you serve your wife? Wives, how well do you serve your husbands? How well do you serve your kids? How well do you, how well do you serve your, your mom and your dad? How well do you serve those in your family? Because we want to serve those in our family as if we are serving Jesus himself. You want to serve people in your community, community like you would serve Jesus. We're really working on this with our boys. We, we love the outreaches we do every quarter, the Adopt-A-Block outreaches we do out in West Florence. We want our kids to get involved with that. We want them to serve the community. And the reason we want them to serve the community is because it's not about who we're serving. It's not about the people. I mean, it is. We love those people. We care for those people, but we see Jesus in those people, and we want to serve them the way that we would serve Jesus himself. Amen? We want to model this to those around us. Lisa and I want to model this to our boys. We want to pull. We want to help do anything we can that, that will help the Holy Spirit pull up that seed of selfishness that's planted inside of them. And one of the ways you do that is you serve people in your community like you would serve Jesus. Do the people in your community know you as a servant? And not just our adopt-a-block, but in other ways. Can you as a family, we're still at the top of the year. Can you as a family make it a goal this year? Hey, we want to serve one person in our community every week or one person in our community every month. We want to do something. And it doesn't have to take a lot of money. It doesn't have to take a lot of things. Just how can you serve? How can you go out of your way? Do you have a neighbor that needs their leaves raked? Do you have a neighbor that needs some work done around their house? Do you have somebody that you, you're thinking of right now that you could serve in your community? Serve them like you would serve Jesus Christ. Serve in your church like you would serve Jesus. I love our champions here at chapel. They do a fantastic job every single week. And I'll say this, you'll never meet a disciple of Jesus who isn't a servant in their local church. 
if you're moving closer to discipleship and, and away from just becoming a, a believer, if you're moving in, in the direction of discipleship, you will never meet a disciple of Jesus who doesn't love to serve in their local church. Find someone, serve them, reach out to somebody, say, I want to serve, I want to get involved, I, I want to use the talents that God has given me, I want to do what I can to serve others, not just in my family, not just in my community, but also in my church. I want to serve them like I would serve Jesus Christ. A couple more. The next one is this. We serve because the world needs to see the love, joy, and compassion, and hope of Jesus. Amen? We serve because this world needs to see the love, joy, compassion, and hope of Jesus. Luke 10, 30 through 37 is a story of the Good Samaritan. I won't read it all here now, but, but you guys know this story again. Dr. Stanley, he used this, this story last week. I told him after service, I said, great job. I'm mad at you. You used two parables, two stories that I want to use next week. I'm upset. He's like, go ahead. Use them anyway. But we see this in the story of the Good Samaritan. What, what happened? This, this, this gentleman, he was, he was robbed, beat, left for dead on the side of the road. And the people that we think would help and serve and stop and love this person, the priest and the Levite, they walk by on the other side of the road and, you know, see you later. But a Samaritan, I, I don't even have time to go into the depth of the symbolism here, but a Samaritan stops and he looks at the person and he, he, he serves him. He binds up his wounds. He takes him and gets him a room. He pays for the room. He such a, a great example of service. So what's the difference here? I, I believe there's two different mentalities at play. So the priest and the Levite, they looked at the person on the side of the road and this is what they said. They asked themselves this question, what is this person, what, what is me stopping to help this person going to cost me? That was the lens they looked at it through. And they realized it was going to cost them their time. It was going to cost them their money. It was going to cost them most of their day. They had things to do. They had a list of things to do. I'm a list person. Anybody else a list person in the room? I'll make a list of things I've already done so I can check them off the list, all right? They had things they needed to do. They had things they need, places they needed to go. And they said, no, it's going to cost me too much. I'm going to keep going. But, but what, did, what did the Samaritan say? It was a totally different perspective. The Samaritan said, if I don't stop and help this person, not what is it going to cost me, but what is it going to cost them? And if I don't stop and help them, it doesn't matter what else I do today. If I, if I can't help this person, then I'm not doing what God has called me to do to serve those around me. So they stopped and, you know, he showed them the, the love of, of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the hope of Jesus. The good Samaritan said, if I don't stop and help this man, what will it cost him? People, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Amen. And we show that we care in other people's lives by stopping and helping them. There is more impact, listen to me, there is more impact in your actions than in your words. Amen? There is more impact. Your words are important, but there is more impact in your actions than in your words. The priest and the Levite said they cared about people. They were religious, but their actions told a different story. But the Samaritan, the one that the religious people had cast away, thrown away. 
He said, no, I care about this person. I'm going to stop and serve them, the hurting, the broken. If we don't serve others well, the world will not understand the heartbeat of Christ. Serving those outside of the church is the most powerful apologetic for Jesus Christ you have. When Christians are good, even when it's tough to those outside of the church, we will see great change. Will you allow yourself to be marked by serving? We serve because the world needs to see the love joy, compassion, and hope of Jesus Christ. In this book, 10 Qualities, that says this story. There was a time in the church when helping people was literally a matter of life and death. Historians tell us that two plagues ravaged the Roman world in the second and third centuries. Each time between a quarter and a third of the entire population perished. The first plague began in 165 and may have been a smallpox epidemic. The second plague may have been measles and it devastated the entire empire beginning in 251. I think it's really ironic that we're talking about this and we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. What is it going to say? It says, in each of these times of dread disease, the pagans prayed to their gods, but people kept dying. They looked to their doctors for help, but the doctors were leaving town to save their own lives. Family members fled from their homes and left infected brothers, sisters, parents, and children to die. Without basic nursing care, most of those who contracted these horrible diseases died horrible deaths. The Christians, though, didn't run out on their families. They stayed and nursed them. And they went to their houses, to the houses of pagans to care for them too. These compassionate Christians reached out to help, quote, the least of these. They loved their sick neighbors as themselves. And God used them to save the lives of thousands of people. They served, listen here, they served at the risk of their own lives. And in fact, many, many of them died caring for their neighbors. The bold service of the Christians during those two plagues caused the number of believers to rapidly increase in the Roman Empire. How? Christians cared for their own family members instead of leaving them to die. So their mortality rate was much lower. And the Romans whose lives were saved by the selfless service of their Christian neighbors, became very receptive to the gospel because they saw Christ's love in action. Within 200 years, the number of Christians in the Roman Empire grew from less than 1% to more than 25%. Christians eventually became the dominant faith of the empire. According to this author, Christianity spread throughout the Roman world because Jesus' disciples risked their lives to serve sick people around them. This world needs to see Christians who serve others well so that they can see the love, joy, compassion, and hope of Jesus Christ. Amen, chapel? And then last, we serve because serving others transforms us. It's the great paradox. Is that the right word? It's the great irony of it all. We serve others because serving others transforms us. When I serve others, it 
does a work in me. God cares about you changing the world through your service, yes, but he also cares about changing you through how you change the world of others, of the lives of others through your service. Serving, I believe, is the greatest catalyst for our faith. Serving is a huge catalyst for our faith. So what we do when we serve is, is we allow the Holy Spirit to pull up the root of the selfish seed inside of us and it spreads miracle grow across the faith that has been planted inside of us. And it allows the seed of faith that God gives us when we accept his salvation, that free gift, remember, it allows it to grow and flourish like never before. So my best example of this, and we're almost finished, is anybody been on a mission trip? Man, you, can, you need to go on a mission trip. It's stateside, um, you know, overseas, it doesn't matter. Or, or serve, at the, at the least, serve at, at our adopted blocks every quarter. And, and what happens is many times when you go on a mission trip, you pray for, for months, a lot of times, for these people you're going to reach. Those of you that have been to Haiti, to our campus in Haiti, in Doko, Haiti, you know what it's like. You go, you pray, you ask God to move in their lives. Now you want to go in and help. You'll do whatever you got to do. God, just use me because I want to I be example for you. I want to serve these people. I want to see them know you. I want to see them grow in their their faith. I want to see them grow in their knowledge of you, Jesus. So you go out and you do everything you can to serve them. And usually about three quarters of the way through a missions trip, there's this transformation that begins to happen inside of your heart. And as you go to serve, God begins to break your heart on the inside. And as he breaks your heart on the inside, as you're serving others, that miracle grow that the Holy Spirit places over that seed of faith in your heart begins to grow. And as you serve others, God begins to grow your own faith. So we serve because it changes me. Amen? It changes me. I'll never forget getting back from a, a mission trip to Ecuador. Halfway back on the plane, I was listening to some worship music. And God just began to break my heart. He just began to whisper things to my heart. And the seed of the faith in my heart began to grow at a pace that had never grown before. Why? Because I had put my desires to the side and I chose to serve others. When we lead with serving, when we lead with serving, when we lead with serving, God does a personal work in our own lives. It makes good soil for him to cultivate the fruits of his spirit in our lives. It all begins with being willing to serve. If you want to get out of a spiritual rut, start serving. Amen? If you want to kickstart your relationship with God, I'd encourage you to start serving. If you want to look more like Jesus, start serving. If you want to move from a believer to a disciple, start serving. If you want to say, God, I want you and your word to take root in my life. I want the faith that I have to grow and grow at a pace that it's never grown at before. I want that, that spiritual miracle grow to be, to be spread over the faith that you've placed in my heart. I want it to grow. Then start serving. Look for ways that you can serve him as you serve Christ. When, we, when serving starts to become a way of life, you're looking more and more like a disciple of Christ. Final few statements. We cannot afford to live self-centered lives. 
Even if we practice righteousness and follow every spiritual, every spiritual discipline to a T, our righteousness will mean nothing when we stand before God. It is only by the blood of Jesus that we're redeemed. We must love God and our neighbor. We must especially care for the marginalized. Whatever we do for the least of these, we do unto him. And man, it is worth burning my life out like a match if people see the heart of Jesus and not just my words, but my actions and my serving. Amen. It is worth burning my life out like a match if people see the heart of God, not just in my words, but in my actions and in my serving. When we stand before Jesus, he's not going to ask us if we got all the things on our to-do list done. I'm a to-do list person. (laughs) I want to get it all done. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, let's let's make it happen. He's not going to ask us if we got everything on our to-do list now. You know what he is going to say, though? He's going to want to know if we loved and served others well. He's going to want to know if we stopped and helped the person that was wounded and hurt on the road. Or did we just keep on going? Man, I'm guilty of it, too. I've done it. May God break our hearts. Break our hearts to serve others well for the needs of those around us to do what we can to help, to serve others. A disciple of Christ is marked by serving. I love this quote by Martin Luther King. He says, everybody, say everybody. One more time, say it with some some conviction. Say everybody. That means you and me. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. I thank you for, God, this series we're in, there's 10 great qualities that move us from a believer to a disciple. We just don't want to stay on the front end. We just don't want to stay a believer. God, that, that's the beginning, not the end. Salvation is the beginning. There's more steps to take. There's, there's, there's more ground to cover. We want to, we want to move and be a disciple. God, we want to be a disciple, and we want to disciple other people to be disciples, God. And one of the markers is the heart of a servant. Help us to serve others well. Break our hearts. God, for people to love people and serve them like we would serve you. God, to love people and serve them because you modeled it for us in your life here on this earth. God, to wash their feet, to help them in whatever way they need to help, whatever way you tell us to help, help us to be obedient. God, and help us to serve because, God, there's a a secret When we serve, we not only help those that we're serving, but your Holy Spirit does a work inside of our own hearts that changes us and allows our faith to grow stronger. God, and our love for you to grow deeper. So help us as chapel to be those people that serve well. God, that honor you. God, and are marked by serving. We love you. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness today. In Jesus' name.